Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. We will remain standing for the reading of God's Word, and I will be reading from 1 John 4, beginning with verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have, been, have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray. Almighty God, we just ask that your spirit be present here, present here today. I ask, Lord Father, that your words are spoken through me. Lord Father, prepare our hearts to receive your message. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Well, Aaron told off on me because I have worked diligently this week to get my message done even though I knew since November that I was going to be doing it. I mean, you know, pastors have a tendency to slide into first base by their feet. You know, we, we, we just barely get in to be safe. We have that habit of waiting until the last minute. But as I was re, uh, working on this this week, I, w- I will take him back to high school days. And um, I, played in high, I played basketball. And one of the things about when we went to a basketball game, the girls had to sit on one side and the boys had to sit on the other side. Now, I went to a small school so the boys and the girls team could ride the same bus and we played on the same night, okay? Every Tuesday and Friday night, that was, that was our schedule, but we always went together. And we always wanted, I mean, you always wanted to win, but we got a extra special gift if we won because then the coach would say, okay, if you, have a, you want to sit with a boy or a girl, you can do it. So then we would get to intermingle if we won. 
you know. And then before long, it would start out, a song would be sung. And we had this song that was called, It's Love, It's Love, It's Love That Makes the World Go Round. Does anybody know that song? Well, we would start it out with, It's Love, It's Love, It's Love That Makes the World Go Round. But then we would start plugging in name. And then we might say, it's Todd, it's Todd, it's Todd that makes Marcia go round. It's Marcia, it's Marcia that makes Todd go round. And we would keep plugging in names. And I, I remember the first time my name got, got sung about, and, and all of a sudden it was Jimmy, it's Jimmy that makes Kay go round. It's Kay, it's Kay that makes Jimmy go round. Sorry, Richard, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I was, I was 15 or 16, I was 16 at that time, but anyway, we, we want to be loved. We want to be wanted. We, we want to have people need us, and, and we, want, we want that love. And so uh, I, I, just, I just thought about that this week. And, you know, in 1967, a very popular song came out by a very popular band that came from England. You know who that band was? The Beatles. You know what that song is? Uh, uh, Heidi back there is wearing the shirt. All you need is love. And I mean, it, it, the chorus, when all you need is love, all you need is love, all you need is love, love, love is all you need. You know, they had something there. They had figured out that what we need is love. And Brian Epstein, the, uh, the manager for the the Beatles said that it was inspired by the message to the world saying that love is everything. Love is everything. Now this coming, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow, in seven days, we're going to have Valentine's Day. Aren't we all excited? You know, it will be flowers and candy and cards and stuffed animals and all sorts of sentimental love items will be given and received. And the money spent on these things are going to be astronomical, all in the name of love. Love becomes a romantic sentiment, an emotion, a feeling. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, okay? But it's so much more flowers and candy and cards and stuffed animals and, and, and many things and cookies and teddy bears and balloons and those little conversation hearts are all going to have those words, I love you. I love you. But does the actions go with the words? So we get confused about love we become disillusioned and disappointed with love because we all know that love can be messy. Love can be hurtful. Love is not always that happy feeling that we think it should be. The heart is a place of great mystery and we use many expressions to talk about the heart. A person without compassion is heartless and we urge them to have a heart. When we have a deep hurt, we are called, we call it heartache. Jilted lovers are called brokenhearted. Courageous soldiers are brave-hearted. The truly evil are black-hearted. And the saints have hearts of gold. If you want to have an intimate or pers personal conversation, we say we're going to have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. 
When we are on vacation, we hope that we are lighthearted. When we love as much as we truly can, we love with all our hearts. And when we burn out or we lose our passion, we say, my heart is just not in it. John Eldridge, a renowned author and speaker, writes in his book, A Journey Desires, he says that in the end, it doesn't matter how well we have performed or what we have accomplished. A life without heart is not worth living. For out of this wellspring of our soul flows true caring and all meaningful work, all real worship and sacrifice. Our faith, hope, and love issue from this fount as well because it is in our heart that we first hear the voice of God. And it is in the heart that we come to know Him and learn to live in His love. Our heart is the key to Christian life. I ask you today, who is the most important person to you? And while you're thinking about that and think about that this week, I'm not going to ask you to answer. As Aaron talked about the sermon series this month, today is what's love got to do with God? It takes one little compound word to answer that question, and that's everything. Everything. You see, God's love is known as agape love. This love, this is a love that embodies God's love in his love for humanity and the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Agape love is more than a feeling. It is an action. John opens with the word beloved. Beloved is translated from the Greek to English, from agape, from the word agape, agape love, that's God's love. And beloved is, is that word in English. This describes the nature of God's love to those whom he loves. It is a love given without expecting anything in return. Agape love sacrifices self for the best interest of others. It is what God did when he sent his son to this earth. And it is what Jesus did when he went to the cross and died on the cross. It is Love is embodied in those words that Jesus spoke from the cross when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Love is formed out of a relationship. We need a relationship with God to love. In the Message Bible, in verse 17, it read that God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. A permanent resident, this is so much more than just renting a place or leasing a place or finding just a temporary place. This is a permanent resident that God wants to take up in our heart. He wants us to have him in our hearts. Why would God create the world if he didn't love? 
Why did God create man and woman in his image, in the image of the Trinity, if he didn't love? God created because God is love. That is the very essence of his character, of his nature. And then we are told that because God loves us, we are to love others. We see love in the person of Jesus Christ. We know God by seeing what God has done through Jesus. And love is perfected by how we respond and love the person that we can see. You know, we, have, we, we, we know God. We know of God. We know that God exists, but we can't see God. But I can see each of you. You can see me. And we are told that we are to love the person that we can see in front of us. Because if we can love God that we can't see, then we should be able to love the people that we see in front of us. And we are to express that outwardly. There was a pastor that was known for his eloquent sermons on love. Uh, he spoke about the brotherhood of humanity and he talked about that love, the philia love that you have for your fellow man. And one day he poured some cement in his driveway and he was smoothing it all out and when he got done he decided to go inside and get a cold drink of water or something and while he was inside some of the neighborhood children came came out and they rode in his concrete when he came out of his house and he seen the riding in his concrete he was furious and he ran it and he raved and he yelled and a neighbor was watching and he was taken aback and he said, what happened to all of these talks about love? And this pastor said, well, I love children in the abstract, but not in the concrete. <laughs> I, and you know, it, it's not the best pun in the world, but it makes the point because it is in the concrete that we have to love. Abstract is just an idea, but the concrete is permanent. And we have to, that's where we're going to love. Now, I understand this very well because Wednesday was not a good day for me. As I told you, I, I, was, I waited really till the last minute to, to finish all of this. And we was having a, a new washing machine delivered on Wednesday. And it was supposed to come, I had come that morning. I had my day all outlined. I, 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 had, I knew what I needed to do. I was going to get it done. The guy finally came. He hooked up the washing machine. He told us that it had to be a, a quick wash cycle before we put clothes in it, you know, just to get all the residue out of it. So he started it, and then he left. I went back into the office to work on my message, and Richard went to his chair to read the rest of his daily Bible reading that we're, he does, that we're doing. And when the washer got stopped, he said something to me, and I walked in. And when I walked into the, to the kitchen, and right there by the, where the carpet meets the kitchen, I stepped, and it was wet. And all of a sudden, I looked, and my kitchen was flooded. The utility room was flooded. I screamed. I was mad. I didn't know what was going on. Finally, Richard got the guy on the phone. He was going to come back out and take care of it. Um, that didn't make me feel any better, okay? I was still written and I was still uh, yelling and uh, 
I hate to admit this, but I left a big old, I mean, I had to find all the big towels in the house that I could find, and I left this great big old laundry basket of towels right there where the guy could see it when he come back. So, because, I mean, I was trying to mop up all this water. I couldn't, couldn't sweep it out into my garage because if I had of it, it was so cold, I'd have an ice rink in my garage. And I was behind. Richard had to pull the refrigerator out so I could get behind it to get the water out from there. So I was behind there when the repairman, when the guy came back. Well, he had forgot to tighten the drain hose that hooks to the back of the washing machine. So this is where all the water had come from. Well, Richard was telling me I needed to get out from behind the refrigerator so that the guy could get through and they could get in there. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to move. Nope. He can wait. He just cost me. You know, my whole morning just went down the drain. And it set the tone for the rest of my day. I was mad. And, you know, I really need to apologize to Richard because I wasn't the nicest person the rest of the day. It wasn't love that poured out of me that day. I'm sure you've been there before at some point, in some way or the other. And I, and, and, I, and I learned, you know, just like water and oil does not mix, well, love and hate does not mix either. You see, Jesus tells us we can't love him and hate our neighbor or love our fellow man or woman. If we love God, we're going to love our neighbor. John points that out in those two great commandments, to love God and to love your neighbor. They go hand in hand. God's love comes first and then we love others because God loves us. William Sloan Coffin made this statement that God's love doesn't seek value. It creates it. It is not because we have value that we are loved but because we are loved, we have value. You see, as humans, we think differently than that. We, we believe that we are loved because of what we do or because of who we are or because of where we come from or our position in society, all of those things. But that's not, that's not true. We are loved because God loves us. You know, we didn't have value when God first loved us. We were sinners. You know that? Jesus didn't come for Christians. There wasn't Christians at that time. I mean, the church had not been birthed. There were sinners. And God came to us as while we was yet sinners because he came to us in the form of his son. He loved us. Think about the cross and the crucified Savior. Think about the reason behind the cross. Love. God loves you. God loves me. Because we was lovable at that time. And God sent a human, he sent Jesus in the human form to show us how to love. One of the greatest stories in the Bible about love is the prodigal son. And I'm not going to tell the, the whole story because you know it. That the son wanted his inheritance. He left. 
but he squandered it. He was living like a pig. He knew that his father's servants were eating and living better than him, so he went back home. And what did his father do? His father ran out and met him and threw his arms around him. He didn't ask him, where you been? Where's my money? Or what has been going on? He welcomed him home, and then he threw a celebration. So the question that we really need to ask ourselves is, are you interested in being like the father? We always look at the two boys, the two sons, but are we interested in being like the father? In our staff meetings on Monday, we have begun reading and discussing a book titled Love Does by Bob Goff. And Goff says that we could leave all the comparisons and all of the trappings and all of the pretending of religion. Jesus told his people he was with that it's not enough to just look like you love God. He said we'd know the extent of our love for God by how, how well we loved people. And this brings us to God's love, which is agape love. Agape love is not an emotion, it acts. 1 John 2, 9 told us that if anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or a sister is still in the darkness. And God is light, and if we live in the light, we will show others how to love by our actions, not by our emotions. Another biblical story that shows our love for each other are the four friends who took their paralyzed friend to the presence of Jesus. This guy couldn't walk, and he was on a, because he was paralyzed, I just said that, but anyway, he, they, he was on a stretcher, stretcher, and so these four friends took him to where Jesus was preaching, but they couldn't get in the door because so many people was there, so they went up the stairs to the roof, and then they cut a hole in the roof and lowered Jesus down. That is love in action for your neighbor. God is love. To understand the nature of love, we need to go to 1 Corinthians 13. Now, you know it is the love chapter. We all know it is the love chapter. It's, it's the most popular chapter to be read at weddings. But I have to tell you that Paul didn't write 1 Corinthians 13 to be read at weddings. That was not his intention. Paul's real intention about chapter 13 was to let the Corinthians know that they weren't living the life they were supposed to be. They weren't giving the love to their neighbor. In the first 12 chapters, Paul talks about that. He talks about the way they've been treating each other. Paul opens up chapter 13. 
With if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic, prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For we now we see in a mirror dimly and then face to face. Now I know in part and I shall know fully even I ha as I have been known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Todd, can we go back to the three verses of 1 Corinthians? This is a different translation that if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others. See, this is a different translation and this talks about loving others. And I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. The next verse, if I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. And the next one, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. What do we gain if we don't love others? We have nothing. We don't even have God because God is love. And when we read chapter 13, we're going to read it a little bit different here in a minute. Without God, we are nothing. Now at the time that Paul wrote chapter 13, the Cornish church was about three years old. There was, they was a new church and they also, because they was young, they didn't have these uh, elders or deacons or, or they didn't have people that was w the wise people that was in the church that had been Christians for all these years. And so when Paul left, they tended to go back to their old worldly ways because in Corneth, they, was, they were a worldly town. And so through the first 12 chapters of 1 Corinthians, I mean, of chapter th uh, of, of 1 Corinthians, Paul is confronting the Corinthians about the division between the church, the lack of unity. They was tolerating incest. They was bringing lawsuits against each other. They were uh, excusing sexual immortality. They was even arguing about marriage or being single, which one was right, which one wasn't. They was eating food offered to idols. They argued about what they wore on top of their head. And they argued about the Lord's Supper. And then their pride took over because they was arguing about spiritual gifts. They were saying that I have a gift and my gift is better than yours. 
And this is why Paul wrote chapter 13, because at the end of verse 12, at chapter 12, he says, and I will show you a still a more excellent way. And then he begins with those three statements about loving or not loving. You remember when John wrote the, the letter to the church of Ephesus and he said, this complaint I have against you is that you have left your first love, that you don't love me or each other as you did at first. They had left their first love. That's what we tend to do. In chapter 13, we have a radical way of loving. Paul gives us a different way of loving. And I want to read this again, starting with verse 4. But instead of saying love, we're going to insert the word God because we've already been told in 1 John 4 that God is love. God is patient and kind. God does not envy or boast. God is not arrogant or rude. God does not insist on his own way. He is not irritable or resentful. God does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. God never ends. God is eternal. He will be the same. He was the same yesterday, today, and will be the same tomorrow. And then he tells us that these three things are the most important, that faith, hope, and love, but that love is the most important. In his book, Love Does, Bob made another statement. Bob Goff, it says, the world can make you think that love can be picked up at a garage sale or enveloped in a Hallmark card. But the kind of love that God created and demonstrated is a costly one because it involves sacrifice and presence. It is a love that operates more like a sign language than being spoke outright. There was a store, uh, there was a missionary named Doug Nichols. And he had gone to, and him and his wife were both missionaries, but on this trip, I guess he was by himself, and he went to India, and there he contacted tuberculosis and he had to be put into a sanitarium this is where they would isolate people that were that had tuberculosis and we can understand isolation today very well he said it was not a good place to be because it was not very clean and because there were so many sick people there Doug had a bunch of Christian books and pamphlets that he had taken with him to pass out. But he couldn't speak their language and nobody wanted them. He couldn't explain what it, they were. And with tuberculosis, you get these coughing spells. And Doug said about 2 a.m. one night, he was really coughing and he noticed across the hall there was this frail man, old man, that was 
trying to get out of bed but didn't have enough strength to get out of bed and he was yelling for the nurse and nobody would come and uh, Doug said it didn't take very long to know what he needed because he said the stench began to fill the hallway and come into the rooms. The next morning when the nurse came and had to clean him up, she was screaming at him and yelling and people was making fun of him. And Doug said this happened again the next night and, and he said, I finally forced myself. He said, I didn't want to do it, but I forced myself to get out of bed and I, I got across the hallway and he took the man under his arm, he put his hands under his arms his, and got him, drug him into the bathroom. But in India, there are no toilets, there's holes in the floor. And Doug said he held him up that way while he did his thing and then cleaned himself up and then Doug drug him back to, the room, to his bed. And this went on, we don't, I don't know how many nights. But Doug said all of a sudden people's patients started coming to his room and wanting a book or a pamphlet. He had not communicated anything with them. But one day a, a local pastor or a priest or whatever came to visit him and that could speak English. And Doug asked him what he had done and, and he told him, he said, you took this man to the bathroom. Your love showed your actions. No language, no words. That was all it took. It was a trip to the bathroom. Now, I don't want you to think today that I'm saying that we're doing something wrong here because we're not. A church's identity is shaped by what they do for the community and what we do for each other. Now, I just want to point out some good things about what we do, and I may miss some of them. Our Embrace Ministry that reaches out to special needs individuals in the church and in our community. Our new ministry program of meals, our delivery program of delivering meals on Wednesday that involves people cooking it, people delivering it, and visiting with people. And from that came the uh, Carpenter Hands program where they noticed a need that uh, some tree, a yard, a, 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 the grass in the backyard was taller than they were. And so out of that came the program where they, the men and women would go and help clean up yards and cut down trees and work on houses and, you know, for our own people and then also for some of their neighbors. We have our Growing God's Preschool program that reaches the neighborhood children, the children of this community. We have our Sunday school classes, our Ruth 56, our youth, our children's program. We have our M&M programs on Wednesday nights for Bible studies. We are partners with Horizon School. We have a prayer team that meets on Wednesday and two people that send cards every week. I know there's, there's more going on, and I apologize if I don't bring your ministry up. All of these things are happening here, and all of these are actions. We can say, I love you. That's easy to say, really. 
but to put that love into action. We might even ask ourselves, how might what we do be done in greater love? Can we be a church that others will just simply say, love does? Bob Goff also, on his book, Love Does, also wrote a book, Love Does for Kids. And I just want to tell you, if, if you are a parent, um, if you are a grandparent, if you keep a child or whatever, you need to get this book. It's Love Does for Kids. And it is, there are wonderful stories in there that talks about, uh, I mean, it goes, it, for kids, it, it's just great. And, and there's a story in there about a little girl named Kelly that needs a new heart. She was a, um, she loved adventure and she loved to climb. And she had to get a new heart. And so when she first went to climb after that, and I, I learned, I didn't know this, but when you get a transplanted heart, your brain doesn't talk to the transplanted heart the way it talked to your original heart. And so when she would start climbing, her heart would not beat any faster. And she finally learned to talk to her heart and say, okay, you're going to have to beat faster so that I can climb. I need more oxygen. And then when she would get done get to the top, she would have to tell her heart to slow down. You need to rest now. When we become a Christian, God gave us a new heart. And what we say to ourselves is really important. How we talk to ourselves about love is very important. Just like Kelly talked to her new heart, we need to remind our hearts that we have value. We need to remind ourselves that we belong to God, that God loves us and has loved us from the beginning, and that we are to love others. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.